Hey, what is good, people? This is episode 66. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, and the episode starts right now. You know, I, I was trying to re- I rehearse that song. There's a song called Route 66. And for some reason, as talented as I'd like to think I am, I, j- I just couldn't grasp it. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do the drums, black guys help the white guys thing. Nope, can't do it. But this is episode 66. That's why I brought up Route 66. I am Jason DeBeas, along with my man, Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. <laughs> What's good, man? Just chilling, brother. Just got out back from work. Yep. Yeah, Ready man. to do some pods. Getting some some training and right, making uh developing these young, bright minds and and revamping right. some of these adult minds, taking some of these adult people and be like, hey, you might want to try this. Try this. <laughs> <laughs> well, not a lot of volleyball. We ain't gonna talk about volleyball this weekend, though. I might address it at the end before we go. Um, got a new lightweight champion, my man Charles DeBronx Oliveira. Man, we got um NFL training camp, and every time there's a training camp, and every time, I don't know, Tim Tebow takes a knee or takes a dump, we all got to know, so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, but first, things first. NBA season's finished. All, I believe every single team played on Sunday, oh, like all 32 teams play, or 30 teams wow. played on over the weekend, the Nets secured their two spot. The Lakers... And the Warriors wind up as a seven and eight. So before I give the floor to Rob, just going to brief you guys, a brief synopsis on how this whole playoff thing's supposed to work. So basically play in, which LeBron James said he absolutely hates. It works like this. The seventh place team plays the eighth place team. The ninth place team plays the 10th place team. Now between seven and eight, whoever wins goes into the playoffs as a seventh seed. Everybody with me so far? And the, the loser of that seven and eight has to play the winner of the ninth and tenth place seed. And the winner of that goes into the playoffs as the eighth seed. And in case I confuse the hell out of you, this is a picture. This is how it works. Blow it up if you got it. I'll blow up the left. That's how that works, Robbie. All right, so for our, our brief, uh, maybe not so brief, well, well, I guess we'll just play it by ear or by um, mouth. We're going to pick winners. We're going to pick winners, all right, Rob? We got, mm. let's start with Tuesday night's games. The ninth seed, Indiana Pacers against the Charlotte Hornets. Nine, nine versus ten, who you got? Yeah, I mean, I got Charlotte in this. I like the way they play. I think they're playing good ball, so. I got to go with Charlotte. I'm going with Charlotte. Uh, Boston Celtics against the Washington Wizards. What an exciting seven versus versus eight. It really is. And I think this is probably the best best playoff game there is out there and probably the best playoff play-in team out there in uh, the Washington Wizards. I think the Wizards are going to win this game because they are that type of team who just wins games. If they decide this is the game they want to play, this is the game they're going to win. So I definitely like them for this one-game play-in. Boston's reeling right now, you know, and, and, and a lot of people who are jumping the gun are kind of like looking at Brad Stevens' job, and I'm and I don't 
No, no freaking way. This guy's been to the conference finals three out of four years. You got injuries. You got his whole team got racked by COVID. Really, only he only had Tatum, if if that. Um, and you can't even name me more than one all-star on that team. And there he is in the conference finals every year. I ain't, so I ain't even prepared to talk about Brad Stevens' job, though I will acknowledge that the, the skeptics are looking. Now, with that being said, I got to go at Washington. Um, Russell Westbrook in the beginning, in the middle of the season, really looked like he was just padding his stats and chasing records. Um, and then people were like, oh, you know, he, at this point, I guess he doesn't care about wins and losses. I mean, he's just chasing whatever. But the man has an emotional investment in I don't know, in winning. At the end of the day, you know, you, he gets all these numbers and it feels good, but he's like, after a while, when you start losing some of these games, Rob, it's like, no, I got to win. And I think something pops somewhere in the middle of the end of the season where he's like, let's make a playoff run. And he's very, yeah. very unselfish. I know the numbers look selfish, but if you look at the number of assists, the number of assists double the rebounds and, you know, and, and rival the points. Do right. something, guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's if he necessarily changed when he decided to do more get more triple doubles because that does involve the team more. That does take some pressure off your other teammates by getting those rebounds. Um, but you know, he's becoming more of a team player, and it, it happens, you know, season through season. I think it's honestly most when he's scrutinized uh, on his play, and I honestly believe that Russell Westbrook, Russell Russell, Russell Westbrook, um, does hear the narratives that surround him. He does adjust to those narratives and they do make him a better player. You know, I just, I don't think those stick throughout through and through the seasons. Um, but yeah, I think he's heard, you know, what people say that that team's not winning. It's because of him and he wants to do his best to make that team win. And maybe that wasn't his focus at that time. Um, so it's kind of revamped him and yeah, they're a dangerous team, you know, maybe not for a seven game series, uh, but they're a dangerous team, especially in this play-in. Like, no doubt about it. Well, if they win, they're going to play the Nets. And there's always, you know, I mean, if the media is always looking for some kind of storyline, they got plenty, plenty they got to go plenty on there, right with, there with Durant and, you know. And and, and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal almost left the, the, yeah. the Wizards via trade to go to, to the Nets, yeah. you know. So Harden, there's a lot of, of – uh, I mean, yeah, him, yeah. if you remember him, Harden and Durant were all the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was the uh, – right, I believe right. that was the only finals the three of them made. That was the only finals the three of them had made. So well, besides Durant uh, going to Golden State. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's right. Uh, not, I'm not going to talk about about Durant. That dude's like candy, man. Even uh, assuming someone, a friend of a friend of a friend, even listens to this podcast, I don't want that dude tweet, tweeting me. I'd have to, I'd have to hit him with a baseball bat. And get, I'd have to get to him first. <laughs> Some six eleven dude looking for me. I'm a nope, nope. I ain't fighting you, fair. Um, <laughs> right? Come see me, sure. <laughs> Yankee hat, <laughs> Yankee Stadium. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, if we both agree that Washington wins, they're probably going to play the Nets, and that means the boss Boston's probably going to play the, the Hornets. I think Boston gets in as the eight. Um, and your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think they just uh, you know they're too. They have too much experience. They've also rested their players, obviously, the last game or two. Um, you know, so their players, their starters will be fresh. Um, and if they, you know, don't get in, they, they could very easily beat the the Washington uh, Wizards. And then, uh, you know, the Wizards, I could see them beating uh, the Hornets or, you know, the Hornets making in over the Wizards. So uh, nothing against Indiana. I just, I think those three teams are are maybe just a step above um, in this in this 
at this time of the year. So, but what an exciting one one game, Boston and Washington. I mean, yeah, for us to great. call that the most exciting playing game uh, um, is competitively disagreeable to some but what i'm about to say next because we're going to the west we got the seven seed lakers playing the eight seed golden state warriors um <laughs> this is crazy because this is gonna make quick questions so much fun um lakers golden state who you got um i mean honestly again it really depends on who's coming back if it's both lebron and anthony davis you know I could say that they that they'll win, but honestly, there's so much questions surrounding the Lakers on not only who's going to win the game, like how long is LeBron going to be able to play, how long is AD going to be able to play, how long are they going to be able to be on the court together, and is that going to affect the rotations around the other players? Because you know they've finally started to you know they were doing very well, honestly, uh, without those two superstars, and then Anthony Davis came back, took a game or two to kind of make that adjustment. Um, so, you know, still getting everybody under that same chemistry of a championship team, uh, while trying to worry about winning right now, because it's not necessarily just a, uh, even if we lose this game, we got a couple more. It's like, no, to lose this game, we might be out of the playoffs if we lose one more. So, um, and not to mention they have to play more if they lose this next game. So, um, I just think it's, uh, there's a lot of pressure in that, in that area, in that arena. Um, and that pressure and that uh, tough can't can't win shot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just such an intriguing game. I don't think the Golden State Warriors have enough to beat the Lakers if they're all, all, you know, all guns firing. But Steph Curry has been on a rampage recently. So if the Lakers cannot put it together. The Golden State Warriors will win this game. I guarantee that. Um, and that's what I'm shooting for. So that's what I'm going to say. I think the Golden State Warriors are just going to play good team basketball and just outplay, you know, a, a reeling Lakers team. So you're, you're picking the Warriors? I am. All right. I I think I got to go with you. I think Steph Curry's playing his best basketball at the right time. I mean, too bad for Bradley Beal for only putting up 25 points to compete for the scoring title. This dude put up 49 uh, to take the scoring title from him. So now he finishes the season at 32 points per game. And... We know that even when he's not on, he's still dangerous. But I've been watching the last few games of the Golden State Warriors, and this dude is on. And you, I know there's certain people, right, like in volleyball, right, never bet against Kerry, you know, um, football, never bet against Brady, you know. And in basketball, I always like to say never bet against LeBron because every time he's healthy – um, he's made a finals <laughs> the last, what seems like the last hundred years. With that being said, what the hell do you do against a guy that, that as soon as he steps past half court, he's a problem? What do you do against a guy like when he's doing his shoot around in practice, the guy hits 105 straight three pointers? I mean, uncontested this and that, but. That is the the level of dedication and, and practice and him just getting it in. And if it's a one night only thing, and I I, I got to be true to my conv- uh, my conviction, I've always said this. If it's a one night only thing, I go with Curry. 
If this is four out of seven, I'll go with the Lakers because they just they got really, really good coaching and they got they got enough time to figure it out. And like you said, the absence of LeBron and, and AD has has upped their defensive prowess to us to a point where they know how to play defense and they know how to shut teams down and how to get back on transition. They look like a real professional basketball team. That's how they're supposed to look. So but you're asking me to pick one. I, I gotta pick Golden State. Um, Memphis and Antonio, who you got? I'll go for. I'll, actually, I'll go first on this one. Um, Memphis, Josh playing really good ball, uh, uh, basketball, and he. Yeah, nobody knows the Spurs better than that guy. I'm gonna go. I'm just quick pick. I'm gonna go Memphis. So who you got? Memphis, San Antonio. Um, I'm gonna have to go with. Um, San Antonio. Uh, I just think they play really good team basketball, and I love what Memphis does. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, their their team should be so much more centric around John Morant, and they don't want to. I guess they don't want to put too much on him, and they don't want to stunt his development. But man, they need to give him the ball and make him just make plays because every time he does, the team looks totally different. Like he's on a whole nother gear than everybody else. But as soon as he's playing off the ball or he's got to be a primary defender on, on their primary ball handler. Um, you know, even though he's capable of doing those, that team needs offense. That team needs to score the basketball. That team needs to run out in front of people. So um, I just think they're just utilizing him wrong. And as good as he is, honestly, he is unbelievable, like point guard of the future type player. But as good as he is, he's you know, so if you're not fun to watch. used the right way, oh my gosh, you know, Jeez. like he's dunking over everybody, but he's got best skills. He's got, he could shoot from anywhere. It just, uh, I just think they're they're not playing uh, the game the way uh, the way you're going to be able to beat teams nowadays. So right. I'm going to have to go with the Spurs. Um, they just do it better than Memphis tries to do it. And uh, yeah. Um. So by that rationale, do we pick the Lakers to beat either Spurs or Grizzlies in that second playing game? Yeah, I mean they just got too much, you know. So no matter what, the Lakers are rolling in. To the playoffs, and 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 to be honest, if they take the eight seed and they play, you know, the Jazz, Jazz. first, and they take the the one seed, they're back on top. So the, um, back in the catbird seat, as they yeah. say. In, in reality, <laughs> you know, they take means, out the but... toughest team in the in the beginning of the playoffs, and then you have an easier road to face probably the toughest team in the playoffs, uh, in in the finals, which is going to be either the Nets or the Bucks or or the Seventy Sixers at full health. So, nah, for sure. Cool, man. Hey, so topic two, UFC. Dude, my dude, we got a new lightweight champion. Finally, the title is no longer vacant. Um, and for me, it was always Dustin Poirier until someone became the new, the, the real champ. You know, I've always, or, or um, who's this cat? Justin Gaethje. But now we have a true, legit, no interim title, no, no one, no one, no gatekeeper, no vacant title. Charles DeBronx Oliveira is now the new lightweight champion and what we still remain uh, um, aptly named the most competitive division in the UFC. It, they are absolute savages from 15 all the way up to the one. So um, he got knocked down and he recovered. When I saw him get knocked down, I was like, that's it. Everything Chandler said was, it was real. And then it's weird. He got knocked down and Chandler took a swing and on the ground, dodge. He took a swing, duck. I'm like, Chandler's trying to ground and pound him and he's ducking ground and pound and he's so aware. So one of my favorite fights of the night because both fighters showed that they were worthy. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going to go first on this one. Um, 
both fighters showed that they were worthy. They, they like, he almost finished him, Chandler. Chandler um, was in a terrible position, you know, uh, as far as the, uh, having his back against one the, the best submission artist uh, um, in, in, in the UFC, definitely 155, and got out of it. Got out of it, you know. And then Charles survived that first round and then came out a completely different fighter the second round. He just looked crisp. He looked sharp. And then when he caught him, I was like, oh, whoa, my goodness. So, Rob, I'm going to give you the floor, but I'm also going to, uh, um, how should I say, melt in the, the, the actual debate question. Rob, what is next for the 150-pound uh, uh, title picture? Let's, you could talk about the fight a little bit, but the I'm going to give you the floor, but that's the question. Yeah, I mean, Charles Oliveira, man, that's my favorite. That's because The reason why is because I feel like he is the epitome of uh, what a modern fighter is going to be, you know, uh, fight in all, all areas of the floor, uh, I mean, all areas of the octagon. Um, can do anything, you know, is not winded, not talking about cardio, not talking about, you know, ability to defend takedowns, you know, able to um, succeed on his feet. Um, I still haven't really seen him throw kicks, you know, which is pretty crazy, but... Except um, the leg kicks. Oof. But, I mean, still, he's got fantastic hands, great movement. Um, I, I think he's a little stiff on his feet, but, again... This is like the American or the Brazilian way of uh, American wrestlers taking over, right? Where if your jujitsu is so good, you can be aggressive on your back. You can be aggressive on top. You know, you can, uh, if you're real, and he's one of the only uh, jujitsu guys that I really see that aggressively uses their jujitsu to make either the position better for them or to put some fear into that 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 person to where mm. they're not really expecting ground and pound where he can sneak an elbow in and really do damage instead of just trying to you know punch through it and elbow through and try to sneak through with uh, you know some elbows you know he's using some submission and a little bit of ground and pound you know yeah. and that's some and, he, of the and most he's got dangerous. a chin he showed us he yeah. has a chin too. he really does i mean he's been and that's one of the things i always say with the fighter sometimes if you watch the whole fight uh, sometimes people watch just the highlights of the finish, but if you watch the whole fight, a lot of times, you know, you really don't know who's going to win when you know, who's already won the fight. You know, you have this, you know, this, 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 this aura of like, okay, it's going to be okay. I know he's got to get up because I know how the fight finishes. But when you don't know, you know, when you're watching that fight last night, you didn't know Oliveira was going to get up from that. You thought, you know, he might've come out in the second round, a little woozy, a little like uh, tentative. No, he came out with his hands up. He he pieced him with a, a left hook. Mm. You know, he threw a right hand left hook. And he was, you know, in Chandler's distance. You know, yes. he wasn't catching him at the end of his punch. He he hit him from close, you know. So he was trying to stay in there and he was ready to fight. So um Oliveira, man, I mean, I I still would even like to see a little bit more jujitsu. You know, if you're that effective against Chandler, even if he spun out of it and got out. You know, I would love to have seen him, you know, go on the ground a little bit more. But that fight ended so quickly. It was, you know, tough to see what's next. But, man, Oliveira, you know, talking about what's next. I mean, I would love to see him fight, you know, a Justin Gagey. Um, I mean, I think Poirier versus uh, McGregor, either one of those guys is going to be a fantastic fight. This is why I love Oliveira, because not only is he an amazing matchup against all players, maybe he doesn't have a weakness. You know, it's going to make for a fantastic matchup against really high-level fighters. Maybe he doesn't have that knockout power like a, a Connor or 
you know, the, the, the real boxing, you know, aptitude of a, of a Dustin, but he mixes so much with it that, uh, his jujitsu is so good that you have to protect for, you know, you have to protect that. Then your standup gets better. You know, it's kind of like Khabib. He might not have had the best standup, but you had to protect for the takedown so badly that, you know, his standup was lightning quick, you know, cause you're not thinking about that. So Oliveira, man, um, super excited. I really hope this is a, the start of a long championship run. Uh, I think he's like what Tony Ferguson should have been. You know, if he got into it a little earlier and, and really stayed dedicated to, to, to submitting and knocking people out, like I think Oliveira is, he's just got that taste for blood and he, he's ready to finish fights. So uh, if he keeps that up, I think Oliveira could be a longtime champion. And uh, I really don't see anybody taking him out um, unless it's maybe a Connor or uh, some sort of a kickboxer that, that's able to take advantage of his uh, stiff stand-up. But other than that, man, he is unbelievable offensively. Unbelievable. Who do you like next? If you had to pick, one uh, guy. I mean, I want. Who do you? Who of, do you want? I mean, forget forget uh, about what Dana want wants. For him. Forget about these these guys hollering. No big fights, big fights, big fights. You know, and, and like you know, kill kill I the UFC in the Khabib division to come back. I feel like this would be a matchup for Khabib. But if you're going to talk about real real uh, real fights, um, I think Gagey. You know, I think that would be probably my my favorite fight. Um, to see if he he's able to you know survive on the ground with a su, su, supreme superior jujitsu artist and obviously he's going to be able to bang on the on the on the feet but Oliveira man sneaky power sneaky power man he doesn't use his his length as well as he could but he's got some sneaky power man yeah, so does. yeah I, I like that next um, and then you know Dustin or or Connor I think either one of those is going to be a fantastic uh, fight against Oliveira all right for me. Here's the thing. If Dustin beats Connor, I like Dustin. If Connor wins, I like Gaethje. And it's I sound like the biggest, biggest player hater uh, uh, trying to exit Connor out of the, the championship picture. But I really, really had this huge issue that people um, synonymize, which is not a word, but, but put together big fights with the belt. If it's it's not a big fight unless the belt's on the line, and clearly I know correlation is not causation, but if you look at all of the top selling pay per views, how many of those were actually title fights, right? Like Connor against Nick, Nick, Nick uh, Nate Diaz was not a title fight. The second one was not a title fight. Him and uh, Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone's now. I mean, he's he's had a little money, but he's a millionaire now. And Connor remains the highest paid athlete just from fighting twice. Him and Dustin. Um, none of those were title fights, right? So it's not like you have to uh, give it to the guy who who who's not even who's not even I'm I'm not no I'm just gonna say it, who's not even deserving of a title shot. Connor is not deserving of a title shot. Look at his last five fights. I mean, he got starched by Dustin Poirier, right? He beat Donald Cerrone, which now we know was on his way down with shoulder strikes for Christ's sakes. He got mauled by Khabib Nurmagomedov and before that he stepped into a boxing ring and, and got and got and got KO'd by 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 the greatest of all time but someone that's relatively small the man is 7 and 0 i hate the fact that he was just because he was 7 and 0 in a completely different weight class that he got to jump the line at 155 and and beat a guy that stylistically he can beat and that was Eddie Alvarez okay so 
I mean, so it's Gaethje if Connor wins, and it's Connor if it's it's Dustin if Dustin wins. Uh, as what what would we do about Connor's situation? Connor can fight anybody, and and the pay per views are still and still it will still gross higher than the title watch title watch. But if you if you put Connor and the title together again, and if he wins. He can take a year off and hijack and hijack the entire division. And that's why the UFC was losing a lot of money. The, because when he didn't fight, they put all their eggs in one basket. And his ship, his rising tide is supposed to lift all ships. But that's only when he's fighting, Rob. That's only when he's fighting. Show me you're going to fight three times a year, man. And then, yeah, put you back in there. But you can't be, no, dude, you can't be one and two and get no title shot. You know, they didn't even give that to Masvidal. So, um, you know, who, who, whose popularity rose too. Well, I mean, I think they set a bad precedent with Michael Chandler. You know, I think it's just for them, you know, whatever, whatever grosses the most is what we're going to choose. But, you know, no, I think they said it with McGregor. Yeah. McGregor, I mean, uh, McGregor got, saying, got a title shot. Um, hmm. and didn't fight one, one fight in 155. He got to fight Eddie Alvarez. He fought Nate Diaz, remember, at 170 twice he without it so much as setting up his big toe in a 155 pound fight got a title shot because of what he did in the division below and i and i interrupted you because you were trying to make a no no no, no yeah i mean it, it is the truth you know that but I, they do that with a, a couple of fighters where you know there'll be stars or almost stars in one division but they got enough like a cody gobberin you yep. know promising him a you know a straw weight or, or whatever kind of a, yep. a fight when you know, TJ. he's not, it's not, yeah, his, it's not, it's not, that's not his size. Right. It's not his area. That's why he's going back up fighting Rob Font. And it's like, why is that, you know, why is that really even happening if he's already down another division? So. Agreed. Um, yeah. So I just think it's kind of the UFC trying to diversify some of their talent, but I don't think they should, man, because I think there's a lot of really good talent coming up and how they're kind of washing their older older fighters out and kind of letting the other promotions take them up and i think they're going to have some really good high level uh competition coming in so man i'm good things coming i'm penciling uh, i'm penciling quick questions as we go (laughs) (laughs) all right so i really really like what we talked about but we need to highlight some of these other matches i'm going to go one or two favorite matches and i'll give you back the floor did you hear Jacare's show, Jacare's arm? Mm. They sh- they oh, yeah. they did a replay just so you could hear the sound. Oh God! And Jacare was walking around like, ah, I'm all right. Just give me some corn, you know. Just throw some <laughs> throw some dirt on it. I'm like, that is a testament to how elite these athletes are. Sometimes it's not how hard they can hit, but but what they can take. Tony Ferguson. I know he got his 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 his, his foot and his or his ankle got tore up. Didn't tap. Didn't tap. Right. That was one of the things I got. I mean, I could call this podcast "You Got Heart." <laughs> I mean, that's maybe that's what we're gonna name episode sixty six. Match that stuck out for you. Um, I mean, honestly, in a bad way that the the Ferguson and uh, Dariush. It I mean, heart. it really did because. And I saw it with Oliveira. I was like, this is not the same Tony, you know. And he almost got his shoulder took out over there. And he know? never tapped. Um, <laughs> and he never tapped. So, you know, I think it's just – it's 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 kind of tough um, in any sport to see uh, somebody that you've liked for such a long time or somebody that you follow for such a long time 
you know, go away from their prime or, you know, have a, you know, a, a, a slide or a drop. Um, but yeah, Tony's in there. Um, I think for a long time, you know, his athleticism and his, uh, strange, um, in, in octagon kind of fighting style, uh, kind of kept people off guard. Um, but he doesn't really have that. This is always my issue for him is he's never really been, like I was saying with Oliveira, he's never really been the, the knockout artist or the submission artist. It's always kind of happened and he has all the skills to do it. But like Oliveira, like I was saying earlier, he's when he's got a taste for blood where, you know, he, he's going to fight for that submission or for that knockout. And he's not just fighting to, uh, prevent that guy's advance or to, you know, change the position and do something like my coach would tell me, no, like that's like maybe the second stage, the third stage is, you know, being an intuitive fighter and, you know, just using all the skills to get that finish, not just the ability to have those skills. So for Tony, I feel like he was kind of on that precipice of breaking through for such a long time and just never did. Um, and I think, yeah, he's kind of past his prime now. He doesn't really know where, he wants to succeed more now, whether it's on his feet or on the ground or doing his roll, roll forwards or roll backwards or whatever the hell he does. Mm-hmm. You know, I just a little bit more uh, precision in getting the finish, I think, is his, is his issue. Yeah. Um, well, his aura of invincibility got compromised when he fought Justin Gaethje. I mean, prior to that, he's gotten rocked a bunch of times. Remember, Pettis, he did a whole bunch of backward mm-hmm. rolls to create space. And everyone. there's so many fights where you thought he was going to get finished. You know, Kevin Lee, him, had a barn burner. And right. he's always not only survived, but like this incredible gas tank where people went for a finish. And probably told himself, I'm, "I'm I went for a finish, and now I'm gonna lose the decision because I don't have I don't have the gas tank to finish this guy. Look at right. him; he's still running after me. Get away from me, dude! You know, it's like my my cloudophobia. I see a clown, I'm I'm gonna try to create space, <laughs> and I always feel like the clown's coming after me. So, um, Barboza, Shane Bur- Burgos, uh, Burgos, that was an amazing fight. That was fun. The Phantom Punch. Yes. My goodness. The Invisible I mean, Man. How yeah. many times have you seen that? But he just, his Never. body said, nah, no more. Yeah, we've seen it plenty of nah, time no with body more. shots. Right. You get that liver, right, liver thing, sure. and it's like, like remember Brock Lesnar? He got kicked right. in the second later. It's like, oh, oh, oh right. okay. Or, or even the, uh, the nerve in the knee, you know, when you have, when you get that kicked and they're kind of like seeing if they can still do stuff. But yeah, I haven't really seen somebody get their equilibrium messed that much where, they really were aware and alert and ready to fight, but their body just could not reverse the action of what was happening. He just kept going backwards. <laughs> yeah, man. Kept going backwards. But yeah, I thought it was a solid fight. I still, again, you know, with Barboza, you know, if you're going to kick somebody in the legs that hard, you know, you're going to start bleeding eventually too, you know? And, so if you're going to kick somebody. Behold, right? What right. happened? <laughs> so it's like the same thing with, you know, punching, punching out. You know, I think you can kick out as well, not physically getting tired, but, you know, you can injure yourself. So, you know, with how Barboza hits or kicks, he should be very, very precise in how he does it. Like, if he did that type of a kick on his leg to the to the knee area, he could miss four or five times and still create damage. But if you keep kicking somebody in the shin, in the upper leg, like, you're kind of wasting, you're kind of giving yourself, uh, you know, a disadvantage and you're kind of giving them uh, the the opportunity to either catch your leg yeah. or to hurt yourself, you know, yeah. on a... On a you know, trying to block the kick. So 
Yeah. So on that level too, right? If you go for a finish, you're exactly. probably going to lose a decision. Yeah. Um, like, you know, cause there's, there's perfect, perfect example is like uh, Nate, Nate uh, Diaz, let's say, you know, where he does a lot of pepper punches, but when he wants to, he puts a little extra in that punch when he finds that open, you know, it's the same thing with the kick, like, uh, or Steven Thompson, you know, he doesn't put everything into every single kick. You know, you kind of touch him, you kind of touch him. You're like, Oh, I feel it's going to open up and you really put something in that next one. If Barboza kind of, diversified his strikes a little bit like that i think would be really exciting to watch yeah well hell that was fight of the night man dude that was because shane ain't no joke man shane look let me take a let's take a look at this division as we continue to talk about it i mean okay of course we got a new champ coming but and and the rankings are going to change but look from one all the way down to 10 and I bring your attention to 10 islam makachev someone's gonna have to fight this dude someone who's already lost Dan Hooker, Tony, Chandler, someone's going to have to fight that dude. The top 10 can't just keep, they can't make that a good old boys club. I don't, I, and I say that carefully. RDA. Yeah. RDA, you want to talk about strength of schedule, Rob? I, I mean, if you look at that guy's lineup, his last 10 fights, I can't think of someone who, who I, I don't know, you, you want to give Dana a call and be like, what this guy ever do to you, man? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, he's he's does he's very well known of being taking the last second fight, um, you know, stepping in and being able to to be ready for stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think and for a long time for me, RDA has been very good. But just again, one of those kind of like he's so good, he just creates a good fight. But you know, when you're talking about the top five, I think he's right where he's at. He should be right outside the top five, and uh, you know, fighting maybe a little bit more. Uh, as a gatekeeper, I, I, that's why I kind of see him as you know. Ooh. See if Islam is is yeah. is worth the is worth the squeeze. You know, see if uh, Dariush is worth the squeeze. I feel like um, you know, and ter- Tony Ferguson. I feel like he's you know a little high up on the rankings. That's a great gatekeeper type of mode where you know, see if these guys, uh, these new guys, are really ready to bang with the big boys and, and start shoving them in the rankings a little bit. You know. Yeah, because right now the top four. Those are all champion worthy. Those are all real all, deal. All yeah. Champion, but then you go down, worthy. it's like those are, you know, from from five to ten, maybe probably eleven, twelve, thirteen. But that's you know, what's wrong with those. But those are big fights still. Yeah. Right? Those are those are those are still gonna put butts in seats. You right. put Tony Ferguson against um even Paul Felder, that's gonna put butts in seats. Yeah, that's you can main event that. Islam Makachov against any of those top 10, um, Daniel Cormier speaks really, really highly about him. So we'll see yeah. how that turns out. And we're going to, of course, we're going to come back at this from a different angle at, on quick question. Um, sure. Next subject matter, we're doing a quick, something I call NFL quick pick. And here we go. We are, Rob McLean, we are going to pick a winner from each division. Let me pull it up, pull up the, um, just the divisions. All right, so Rob, we're going to do kind of a lightning round thing. And of course, this is going to change. As the facts change, so will our opinion. Let's start with the AFC East. Who do you got? Nah, I'll go first. Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, just to make it a debate, I'll go Miami. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. West, Broncos, Kansas City, Oakland Raiders, San Diego. San Diego. Man, ooh, L.A. Chargers, shame on you. I picked the Chiefs. That's the easy one. Yeah, I got to go Chiefs. I got to be smart on that one. North? Um, I like the Browns, yeah. 
I'll go Ravens. Yeah, either one of those two. And South. Mm, uh, the Colts. Yeah, really like the Mr. Colts. Wentz, man, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be tight with Defense. the Titans. Okay. NFC least. <laughs> I'll go first. Cowboys. G-Man. G-Man. Nice. West. Uh, I'll go with the Niners. I'll go Niners. Um, North. I go, I go Packers. I gotta go Packers, yeah, man. I mean, if they, even tough. if they bring back the same team, I mean, there's some games where Aaron Rodgers isn't even the best. Aaron, man, don't forget about Aaron yeah, Jones, dude. I know. Y'all must have. If forgot. he even plays, I'm gonna go with the uh, with the Bears, just because Ooh. I don't think Aaron's coming back, my man. Oh, <laughs> he ain't going back to Jeopardy. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> South Division. <laughs> uh, um, hmm. Saints. I mean, I got yeah, I got he, Saints as repeat Super Bowl contenders. Maybe not champions, but I, I think with every single player being signed back again. You mean Bucks? Yeah. Tampa Bay. Uh, uh, what did I say? Did I mess up again? Yeah. Um, with every single player, a starter, yeah. back back in the lineup, man. You can't deny that. I mean, that's that's yeah. some Hall of Fame level. Dude, uh, I just GM work. <laughs> I just don't see how anyone's going to play them any differently that's going to help. I mean, Rodgers was the best one. And, I mean, you think about the four downs and the, the decisions he made third down and all that stuff. Um, we can argue ad nauseum if it was the right or wrong call, but they the defense did get the almost. Rob, to shame or not to shame, Kyrie Irving said a lot of stuff going on in this world and basketball. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world and basketball is just not the most important thing to me right now. This happened at a media press conference when I guess that's when you're supposed to meet your media obligations. So, Rob, my question is, is this Kyrie's shame? Is this just uh, usual Kyrie shame or is or did the meet is this the media blowing this up because he said this at a at an obligated press conference Rob take all the time you need the floor is yours uh, man yeah so um I just go back to you know something we all learn when you're younger you know don't cry wolf um and I think that's what Kyrie been doing like every, you can have all these conversations that you think and you believe about you know in your private home but once you're out in public everybody can start seeing you for I guess to say for who you are, if you're weird, if you're quirky, that's fine, you know, but people, you know, can have their opinions about that. Um, and so when we're talking about Kyrie, uh, if this is the first time I heard about it, then yeah, I'd probably be like, let me, let me see Kyrie's angle from it. And, but I mean, he's done so many things recently and, and some of the worst being the job that's given you the opportunity to have this platform and to have all these people listening to you is a job that you will then just say, I'm sick or I don't feel good. I don't want to play. So anytime he's not doing his job uh, playing basketball, um, I can't even listen to him because 
you know, at the end of the day, you're just exploiting the league. You're just exploiting other people just to get your voice out there. And it's not really even a real issue. You know, if he doesn't want to do, you know, just, just, I, I don't, I don't want to hear what he has to say. You know, it's not really relevant to other people. It's just him crying and whining about himself. Um, yeah. I'm just over Kyrie Irving. You know, I kind of thought he was funny and cool with the whole uncle Drew thing in the, in the, uh, you know, earlier on in his career. But now, you know, I can see he's just uh, he's living in his own world um, and that's fine. But, you know, you don't have to make that everybody else's world, you know, so yeah. believe what you want to believe, Kyrie. But, you know, keep yeah. it to yourself. Well, Rob, to me, the operative word is job. All right. Out of everything you just said in your diatribe of Kyrie Irving, I, I get job. It is your job to play basketball, but that is not your only job. It is in your collective bargaining agreement to you're obligated to answer questions from the media. Now, how you choose to answer, you want to answer like Kyrie, and then you answer like Kyrie, that's you being yourself. But at the same time, you have to get whatever blowback comes with some of these asinine answers, all right? Um, of course, basketball is not the most important thing to somebody in this and that. But I think for someone to say this is not their most important thing, uh, for some people, or even himself, to make the illogical leap that what he does for a living is not important is... As a nine, as a ten, and as a twelve, I, I, I didn't love it. I mean, he has he has an obligation to answer some of these questions, and he could. And it's not like he only has to answer one or the other, right? These things are not mutually exclusive. They could have been binary. He could have answered questions about the game because that's why you have a press conference. You can answer these questions about the game, and at the same time, you could still. Um, and if you want to you want to talk about what's going on in the Middle East, you want to talk about what's going on in Israel, Palestine, you want to talk about what's going on with Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, you can do that too. But but to say that this is not the most important thing and to make the illogical leap that it's not important at all is just, that's just, like you said, that's just him being him. And, and you are one of many people that are like so over that. Cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. Not, not too twitchy. No good. I thought we did a good job on that. All right, cool. So topic five, we go to... Quick question. Quick question. <laughs> uh, quick question, Rob. Tim Tebow's uh, to sign with the Jags. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Waste of money. Come on now. Thumbs up is going to be the oldest guy on the team, and he's going to teach people how to win because even though he's not much of a quarterback, he is a winner. Um, so then hire him as a consulting coach. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the hell has he got to be a paid on the mascot. <laughs> All he's going to do is, is is kneel on the ground mm -hmm. and then get not held for it like everybody else did, you know. So yeah. we're just going to keep on letting him be him and everything's going to be okay. Yep. Yeah. I could get into Colin Kaepernick, but I won't. We're, we're going to go to the mm -hmm. next question. Quick question. Should Ferguson fight Islam Makachev? Should that be his next fight? Mm. I actually yeah, why like not? I, lo I love yeah. that fight. Quick question. Uh, we're going to pick two important matches that's coming up this week. Rob Font, who's a number three bantamweight against Cody Garbrandt. Right. Uh, I like. Uh, I mean, Cody's tough to, to to pick against, but I'll take I'll take Rob Font. I'll go Cody. I mean, it's tough because Rob is Rob Font is three and one his last four matches, and Cody Garbrandt is one and three. But he, but you, if you knock out UKO Rob Rafael Rafael Asuncao, um, that means you're still dangerous, and um, oh, no, he's dangerous. But yeah. the problem is, is, can he put a fight together? Because he was losing that fight against the Sunso until he knocked him out. You know, so he was on the cage. He was getting like it's just again, 
You know, some people have to understand how to put together finishes and some people just have that power. So they really, really do, dude. Mm-hmm. Quick question. Uh, this is uh, more down the card, I think, at the end of the main card, but it shouldn't be. Number seven, Jack Hermanson against Edmund, Edmund Shabazian. Yeah, I mean, I picked Shabazian. Uh, right. I'm still going to stick with it. But, I, you know, same thing like we were saying before. I think probably Hermanson's going to win, and I want Shabazian to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I'll take that pick still. That name sounds Armenian, and I think I'm going to go with the Armenian, even though Jack the Joker Hermanson um, has got some nasty, nasty submissions. The real winner on that is uh, are the fans or people like you and me. We get to watch that match, and thanks for the UFC for putting that together. A uh, quick question. Which play-in team has the best chance of beating the number one or number two seed? Uh, I mean, probably the Lakers, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. If they lose that first game and they come in the eighth seed, you know, they could beat, I think they could beat the Jazz. Um, but, uh, yeah. If they come in as the seventh seed, do they beat the Suns? Yeah, mm, yeah, probably. I think they have a better chance beating the Suns, you know, than they do beating the Jazz. Absolutely. I think, I think it's the Warriors. I think it's the Warriors. I think playoff staff, um, not final stuff, but playoff stuff has a has um the best chance of beating the Jazz or the Suns of either one of those teams uh, four out of seven times. Really, pending pending LeBron's enough. conditioning. I mean, these guys are coming in. The Lakers are coming in beat up, and right. I, mean, I mean, those one or two seats are really going to expose them if there's any kind of weakness. Or so. Yep. yep. But hey, a yep. Phoenix versus Golden State first round. Oh my goodness, that's just fireworks. <laughs> Break. Oh my God, bugger off. Oh. Quick question. Who is the most important player on the Nets right now? Oh, I mean, James Harden for sure. But I think it should be should be known that, honestly, I think, and I, I hate saying it, but Kyrie's probably the most important because he's got his head so far up his butt. He's not even really playing. Like, some days he's got 45 points, 10 assists, and three rebounds, five steals. In other games, he's got 10 points with two assists and two rebounds. It's like... They're all very integral because the reason why they're paying him so much money is because he means that much. So I think, yes, it is James Harden. It is Kevin Durant. They're the most important pieces, but sometimes it's, that's not the most important. Sometimes it's that third wheel that Chris Bosh to come in and hit that 45 points for them to really win that game or that Ray Allen to come through at the last minute to hit that three. So, um, yeah. It's really it's just, a tr- uh, Rob, it's really a trick question for quick question because all three of them are equally um, as important. Right. And, and it seems like there's no championship um, ring even in, even in, on the horizon without all three of them there. So with that being said, gun to my head, got to pick one. I go Harden. I mean, I mean he, he's, he's in this situation with strong, like-minded personalities where he doesn't have to be the strongest personality, doesn't have to be the leader. So I go Harden. I got to say this, though. You have... It's so it's so interesting that when you got all three of them on the court, even if they're not on the court, if all three of them are playing in the game together, it's so interesting how clear a championship team, like definitively championship team they are. But like as clinic, soon as dude. one of them leaves the court or one of them's not playing that game, you're like, okay, I see the chink in the armor, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just they have to all three be playing in each and every game to win that championship. Yeah. That's just what it's got to be. Big up to Steve Nash on the coaching staff too. I mean, you know, he, he preaches that kind of seamless, that kind of team ball, and and right. and they're playing very much like it. You know, uh, that's like Steve Nash 2.0 for Christ's sakes. Right. Um, 
Quick question. Who is the better Hall of Fame class? And I'm going to give you one, uh, uh, one, uh, two, two choices. Kobe, Garnett, and Duncan? Or Jordan, Robinson, and Stockman? Stockton. Big up to first take. I stole this from them. I mean, that's not even close, to be honest. Um, Kobe, Garnett, and Duncan is like, I mean, Garnett, you have to understand, has been was underutilized. David Robinson was overutilized. <laughs> you know what I mean? So are we talking about just skill level? I mean, I think talent level, uh, you know, maybe not on what they accomplished, but I think it's far and beyond uh, Tim Duncan, Garnett, and Kobe Bryant, like not even close. I'm old school, Robin. As much as this pains me to say this, I always usually go older than younger on this, but I got to go with Kobe, Garnett, and Duncan. I'm with you on yeah. that one. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to turn in my basketball card. I can't. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, if I'm you not, put Shaq in there, it, it would at least even it up. Right. <laughs> you know, come on now. That's not even fair. I mean, you putting Jordan with those guys? Come on. Quick question. We're going to revisit this question next week because they're going to be in the middle of their playoffs. But will the Knicks win their first round against the Hawks? Yeah, I really think so. I think that's a fantastic draw. Um, even though the Hawks are getting healthy, I just, yeah, I think so. Great team basketball. I think Tom Thibodeau is going to have a field day with this one. I think they win 4-1. Uh, I picked the Knicks. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprising. I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm picking that. I finally I mean, saw I jumped, them on I jumped live up. TV yesterday. You did? Let's go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Last game of the season. Yeah, man. We I was supposed to see the Knicks and Lakers, but because I had the wrong cable package, I don't have Spectrum. I had Frontier. The game got blacked out on TNT, which is shame know, on right? them because that's a national channel. Nas- like a yeah. national channel shouldn't black out stuff. Never. Like ESPN doesn't black out any games. ESPN, Even if you got to pay, you know, just pay that extra money. You should never black out no. a nationally televised game. That's oh, just and I'm a Knicks. And I I mean, get- I'm a New York fan that moved to LA. It's a game I wanted to see, you know? Yeah. That's just terrible. Yeah, it but. is. Um, quick question. Is Brad Stevens' job in trouble? Celtics. Glad we got to this. It might not be as quick of an answer as possible, but I really don't think so. And I, I had a different tune on this earlier, but what you have to look at, and it's not even uh, in the pandemic, for the last like four years, you know, they've had horrible, and I mean horrible deals with injuries, whether it's been Isaiah Thomas, whether it's been, uh, you know, getting Tatum back or J- Jason, uh, J- um, uh, what's his name, uh, J- Jalen Brown. He's been injured, what, two or three times in his stint here. Um, who else do you got? Uh, Kemba Walker has been injured for how long? I mean, I don't really think it's – it's either the way they practice is wrong. They're either practicing too hard. Uh, their, their, their recovery routine is wrong. Their strength and conditioning routine is wrong. But something's not going right there in the PT, the physical therapy aspect of playing because those guys should not be getting injured that much. Uh, there's too many injuries that are happening there year after year after year. And I can't, one, you can't keep saying uh, that it's not Brad Stevens's fault. Maybe it is the no, way they practice. You're the you head know? coach. He's got to fall on that sword. Yeah. You, some <clears throat> of it's going to fall on you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, if it's, that is the consistent issue is the injuries that has to be changed. It can't be um, the, the reason why his, you know, the reason why they're losing is his playing style. No, the reason why they're, one of the most unique offensive teams in the league that's hard to play against that teams give them the respect is because of the style of play they have, because it's so team ball, because you don't know who's going to beat you, but then Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown can beat you with 35 each game. So at the end of the day, I really 
think that the Celtics are a very smart uh, franchise organization, and they should just realize that they need to really key in on their players and the health of their players to make sure they have all their guys ready to go, and they will be able to absolutely maximize their talent around their roster. But it is not about Brad Stevens. It really is not. He's Maybe he needs to get them more accountable. Maybe he needs to make them play a little tougher defense, but that's a different issue. Yep. For me, I'll go a, a little bit shorter than you. I said, no, his job's not in trouble. They're, they do need to, to evaluate the um, nutritionists and strength and conditioning coaches and see if we can get some of these guys to avoid some of these injuries. I mean, some t- injuries happen, and there's no – as elite right. athletes, you're an elite athlete. Nobody goes into a tournament. Nobody goes into a game or a series 100% healthy. That that animal doesn't exist. It, it's, it's just – it's so rare. Um, quick question. Do you like um, – they're still working out the contract, but do you like um, – Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis as the next as the next heavyweight. Hell yeah. yeah! You got to make that mistake right, or else you ain't a champion. Yeah, and John. And I'm glad John, they I mean, did that. I'm glad they did yeah. that before John Jones yeah. or a uh, 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 Miocic, uh, you know, replay, uh, because I think that's really really important to solidify himself. Like, and I'm really glad that's happening. Me really too, because they have a lot to making up making up to do for the last time they fought they, they were for the 20, fans 27 for, total strikes that last match got booed right out, booed off the, off of the planet hey um, it might not even get more than 27 strikes this time but no. it better not go past the second round <laughs> that's a fail to both of them because that's what they do that's what they right. do you know and i mean john jones we could thank for that because Derek Lewis already gave him his number. He told his agent the number that he wants to fight and don't come back to me to get that if, unless you get that number. But uh, I think it was like eight million. But um, and the UFC is happy with that number because because the heavy because the heavyweight division's back and they know they're gonna get that nut off on that on the pay per view on the other end because it's because Ngannou's a champion that they can market. It's a champion right. they've they've always wanted. And if it was Stipe Miocic against Derek, Derek they tell Derek Lewis to take that number and go kick rocks. But they but listen, they can do that. And and Derek Lewis isn't asking. Asking for a winner's bonus at these title matches, eight million to show. And now you ain't got to worry about that. You get in there and you and you just throw bolos, you know. Yeah. But John Jones kind of, I mean, we knew didn't didn't we say this a month ago, a couple of months ago? Like John Jones is going to come up with a number that Danny's not going to agree with, and Danny's going to go to the media and say, well, if he doesn't want to fight. You know, plant that seed in the fans' head. Oh, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight. And I think John Jones does want to fight, but uh, but there's a part of me that's like. I don't know. Let's wait for Lewis and Ngannou. At least Lewis, I could take down, you know, <laughs> whatever. He, I don't think, I'm not trying to say Jones is afraid because he's not afraid of anybody, but, but we know in his heart of hearts, he'd rather he, uh, so- solidify his his goat legacy by beating Lewis. <laughs> Be <True>. real. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. It's true. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the quick question. But before we go, and Rob, I know you know I could talk about this all day, but I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. Before we go, on my social media platforms, I, I express my objection and some and some some contempt about who they voted for NCAA Beach Volleyball Coach of the Year. Um, um, Andrew Fuller, who's the head coach of Stanford, who did some really wonderful work and built this program to kind of what it was to uh, somehow, some way, get in the NCAA tournament. I didn't. I personally didn't see that coming, but I will admit I didn't follow Stanford as much as I followed um, this LSU, Florida State, you know, TCU, um, Cal Poly, this and that. So. It was already weird for me to see them in the NCAAs, and it was even weirder to see them ahead, uh, ranked ahead of TCU and Cal Poly, um, though they did beat Cal Poly um, head-to-head early in the season. So, 
My objection came because I felt John Mayer, who was the head coach at LMU, was more deserving than 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 Andrew Fuller was. And I want to be crystal, crystal clear for the people listening. And Rob, I know everyone thinks I never let Rob talk, but I, honestly, this guy, this guy on my left, if I let him talk, y'all really going to be mad, okay? So you, you, y'all better just stick with me because y'all not in this league for what this man would have to say about that. All right? Um, <clears throat> just because I think John was more deserving does not mean I am being disrespectful to Andrew Fuller. All right. We are adults. When we're kids and someone gets elected prom queen that you disagree with, it is instinctive in our kid nature to be mad at the prom queen. When you shouldn't have been mad at the prom queen, you'd be mad at the people that voted her in. She didn't ask for it. She took it. All right. So now that we're all grown up and now that we've all evolved from being mad at the prom queen, I was not doing that. I am not doing that. I am upset at whoever decided the voters that decided that that man was a more worthy worthy coach of the year than John Mayer. John Mayer has won 31 games, 31 and 8 this season, okay? Had to beat Pepperdine twice to 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 win the WCCs. Um their their school is not known for getting great players. They are known for good players transferring out, right? Saras, they lost Sarah Sponsor. They lost Bo, Bo, Bo Kulo to USC, who by the way is not even on the pair 5, not even on the 5 pairs. So this man has one or two decent players. The rest of them you've never even heard of unless you follow LMU as closely as I do. He wins the WCCs. They, they beat LSU and UCLA the same day. They, take, they finish in a semifinal. So if you take the body of work, Rob, and you could come in or you could just leave this alone like you usually do because I know this, this subject, especially in your wheelhouse, sometimes it's comfortable, sometimes it's not, and I get that. But... If someone gave me a criteria, the, the, I would say the talent that's given to you, the amount of time it takes you to develop this talent into, into something that's contender worthy, uh, the amount of time that it takes you to do that. And if you have another coach that did the same thing, worst case, worst panic, uh, you know, the panic button or the bottom line head to head which LMU has beaten Stanford head-to-head. He's got more wins, 20, 31 wins to 23. He got ranked. He, start, he started the NCAA higher. Uh, Stanford got invited to the NCAA too. He beat everybody that was seated in front of him until they ran to the USC. Stanford was two and done. And, and, if, and if all is said and done, how do they do against each other? LMU won. This man is coach of the year. And Andrew Fuller, as much as, as, much as I respect the guy, I don't, I don't even know if I like him that much because I had one conversation and Fuller, was kind of fuller and you know uh, of himself but take that away no man i ain't, i mean i ain't messing with nobody that's putting in straight work you know zelani hodel who's their pair one was i mean to me was already a baller before she got to, to stanford but but man her game looks nice i mean her skill her skill set looks tighter so i know this man's doing work so it's not i'm not casting any, any aspersions on him even though i took i took like a little personal shot or whatever but sorry man so for the people who have a problem with me um, not letting it go, um, today's the day I'm going to let it go. And I'm, and I'm just going to finish with that. And that's my case why I think John Mayer's coach of the year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I can't say I disagree with anything. You know, I don't really know any of those guys personally. Uh, I, w- <laughs> I was even surprised, you know, um, maybe that John or uh, Todd Rogers didn't win it. Or, you know, Dane didn't win it. And then I say those names, though, um, and you kind of think around the league, 
um, you know, past beach players that are now coaching, you know, maybe this is the year they kind of give it to some guys who've been there before for a long time and haven't really won it. And like you said, could very well be deserving if you look past maybe the coach who was first year coach who won, you know, the championship this year. Um, or, you know, like you said, a guy who John Mayer, who really doesn't have a lot of names, uh, who had a really great record this year, won their conference came in and beat a lot of great teams, great talent with a lot of no names. You know, those, you know, those characteristics seem very offsetting to me when you're talking about who should win coach of the year. But again, I'm not in, I'm not in that, uh, you know, that, that, that realm of knowing who should, who should not get it. You know, I'm in beach volleyball, but not maybe not college beach volleyball in depth, you know, so I can't say definitively, but, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me when you just talk about statistics and numbers and whatnot. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe uh, it's the wrong one this year, but, you know, ups to Fuller for getting it. And hopefully yep. he can prove next year they deserve deserves a uh, second, second uh, coach of the year in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, just because I think they got it wrong doesn't mean I don't think the guy's a good coach. I mean, right. I mean, it's, it's playing in the pack is not easy, <laughs> right? Playing in the right. pack, it's a, it's been a two horse race, and how how the hell do you get out of that two horse race, right? Like LMU right. only had really one team to beat, you know. I mean, it, I mean, for years the WCC playoffs was was like the Pepperdine Invitational, so you right. know, so to so they win that conference. Uh, and Todd Rogers, it's it's always going to be them in Hawaii and Long Beach State. You know, Coach Mike Campbell's always got he's always got those girls ready to go, and and some years you know they they look they look mad serious too. So, um, here's the hoping Fuller does has a better year next year. Here's the hoping John Mayer has a better year next year, and here's to hoping that they get around to making those conferences that they are in automatic bids. Todd Todd did get a Big West Coach of the Year for his conference, so you right. Know. Dane is deserving of Coach of the Year as well because there's something to be said about pressure of win or bust, right? Like if you don't win the whole thing with the talent you have, you fail, you know? Am I a good mechanic in a room full of Ferraris, you know? Um, I'm so glad Dane won because I wanted to give Dane the crown so bad, but I'm not, I wasn't giving Dane nothing, you know, just when he didn't even so much as, uh, like a year ago, didn't so much as set foot on on the sand as a head coach was he an assistant coach yeah was he responsible for helping dan and and okoye win a bunch of win a couple of titles yes but assistant coaches don't get credited with losses do they <laughs> so so now he's there standing tall front row with those with the with those dubs with those with those hot l's and won a championship big up to dane man big up to dane i'm gonna talk to you about some of your players dane that are coming in come see me um rob is there anything? <laughs> God damn it! Oh, concentrate. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people all over the world, not just the United States? We got a uh, um, glo- we got some a following in Australia, man. We got we got some English speaking countries, Ghana. Hey man, you know, stay happy, stay healthy, play some beach volleyball, you know, get out in the sun, all those good stuff. Did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that? Isn't he awesome? And Rob loves you guys. He really, really does. He, you know, I mean, look, some of his players call him grouchy, but listen, they're all thanking him when they get those scholarships. Um, <laughs> so, and but me, nah, nah, I ain't got no love today. Rob might love you, but I can't stand you. Okay, so for all of you at home, I'm out of here. For all of you at home, I, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your, 
desktop who runs the world. Old school, old school for Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. I'm Jason DeBellius, man. This is episode Route 66. Dude, great episode. We're out. And play. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.